Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. All right. Welcome from the Toxin Tasting Studios. It's the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Ligan. And I'm Burick. And Vickers here. So uh, we're... uh, Hope they have a good show for you today. We've got a couple of new things. I've got a new segment I've, I've worked on a little bit. And uh, how are you doing, Berg? Doing good, doing good. It's a, kind of a nice, quiet evening. So. Sure is. So, uh, I brought the beverage today. It is from a local brewery, Lake Time Brewery. And I've wanted to bring this one out for a while. I was actually going to do it back in October, and then I never got around to it. Um, but this is the pumpkin spice latte English stout. Mm. So, just to get on our wild and crazy drinks again. So, pumpkin spice. All right. Let's. Uh... By the way, uh, listener, if you uh, if you have something that you're taking a sip on, here let me go, go open mine. If you got something you're. Uh, enjoying while you uh listen to us let us know what that is we'd love to hear from you and uh we're still uh looking for some nominations for our upcoming one year anniversary go ahead open it berg smells like victory i don't know i don't know (laughs) it's interesting viewer it's interesting yeah you know sometimes when i think when you're brewing beer you can uh like get a little too experimental yeah, yeah, a little too avant-garde, as they say. Does it actually have coffee in it? Uh, it might have coffee beans. Yeah. Um, they added real pumpkin, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Uh, flavor. They have, it has flavors of dark chocolate, vanilla, and sweet cream. And uh, yeah, I got a little. I got a message from one of our listeners, uh, who said uh, that. Uh, he was surprised that we admitted to liking the Lima Rita. I don't know why that would be surprising. <laughs> I told him that we're very, I was, we're very ecumenical here right. when it comes to drinks. I told him that I was very secure in my masculinity; that it wasn't a problem for me. <laughs> so. We're not receiving any money under the table. <laughs> so we're, we're if we seem a little dis- distracted. We have a new computer that Peter set up, and he's controlling the computer from afar, and it's confusing us. And we're all acting like our computer has a demon that we need to exercise from our computer. It's very weird. And I hope everything's okay because everything. <laughs> and our computer just threatened to kill us. Okay. Mwahaha. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is going on? Well, that's a great start. <laughs> Hep- <laughs> So what I was saying is uh, if you have any uh, thing you'd like to contribute or, or suggestions for our upcoming, oh, probably about a month or so, right, Peter, to our uh, Talks and Tasties. Yeah. If you have any ideas of uh, some things you'd like to share, we have a few nominations, uh, but we would love to hear more. What were some of your favorite parts? At Vicar, where can they get a hold of us with that? They can find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, at Claire Calares P for podcast. They can find us and uh, email us just on the internet, or they could even Google search us, Clerical Errors Podcast, and find us at clericalairs.org. Um, and there they can send us an email. So You can also, as our uh, computer is telling us, <laughs> you can find us on Patreon as well. Right. 
So uh, um, please do so at uh, patreon.com slash uh, clerical heirs podcast. So, Living the dream. So I'm still weirded out by this computer thing, but we'll, we'll get this figured out. So, uh, so Berg, what are you preaching on? All right. So this Sunday is entitled um, Septuagesima. This is 70 days before Easter. This begins a mini season that we know as pre-Lent. Uh, and the texts for today, for that Sunday, are 1 Corinthians chapters 9 and 10 through 10, verse 5, and Matthew 21 through 16. Matthew 21 through 16 is the laborers in the vineyard, the, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, where God talks that grace is free, right? Mm-hmm. Or God, that grace is given equally without regard to work. Um, but I'm preaching on 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 24 through uh, chapter 10, verse 5, where St. Paul uh, is talking to the Corinthian congregation. And he is using a lot of sports metaphors. And this would have been very uh, relatable to the people of Corinth because they had something which was known as the uh, Isthmus Games. It mm-hmm. was a Panhellenic um, gathering, kind of like the Olympian, like the Olympians. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it happened every second and fourth year. So on either side of the Olympic Games, the ancient Olympic Games. So it's kind of like the Pan Am Games. Yes. <laughs> The Goodwill Games. You guys don't probably don't remember the Goodwill Games. No, I don't. It's Sorry. not familiar. Um, by the way, great game. Great Super Bowl, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. I can't believe that happened. Can you, Vicar? Yeah, could you believe that the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, I'm shocked. Especially, what was your favorite play from the Super Bowl, Vicar? Oh, it had to be that commercial. Oh, the one that when everyone was talking about? Yeah. Everyone was talking about that. I can't believe they did that. <laughs> How about you, Bert? Yep, it's pretty unbelievable. Leave it to Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's shocking. That beer commercial. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe that one player just broke down and started crying at the end of the game. Yeah, act like you've been there before, man. Seriously. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm at. You're talking about the the the, the Isthmus Games. Okay. Held on every uh, second and sixth year. Fourth. I, w- I second was paying and attention. Yep. So. Second and fourth year. Um, and and St. Paul is using sports analogies, correct? Right. And he's saying that uh, the Christian life isn't a spectator sport. Um, he is encouraging uh, these Christians to run, right? To And he uses boxing and he uses running as examples of of the Christian life, um, and that, and the whole reason for this is so that they don't become disqualified, right? Doing good works won't keep you in the faith, but doing evil works will actually disqualify you from the prize, the prize that you have already gotten in your baptism through the through the, through the grace of the gospel. That's why these two texts actually really pair very well together. The gospel emphasizes the one aspect of that God gives. Uh, his grace, um, especially to those who don't deserve it, mm-hmm. but he. Uh, but this also talks about what happens. Um, you know, we also stand to lose this great salvation because it right. ends with uh, the children of Israel. Right? Mm-hmm. They were all baptized into Moses. They all ate communion in the wilderness. Right? The spiritual bread. They drank from the same spiritual rock. But 
almost all of them died. And that's because they didn't have faith. They, mm-hmm. they rejected these things. So. And, uh, and then for the, the gospel reading, uh, Matthew chapter 20, um, it's about the laborers in the vineyard. And uh, they all work a certain amount of, some worked all day, some worked for a very short time. And uh, they all get the same pay. Right. And you know what I find funny about this is it really does speak speak to us as a, a way of works righteousness because, you know, a lot of times people might refer to this one when someone has, for example, a deathbed confession where they live their life uh, not as Christians, but then they confess their faith towards the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it's kind of interesting how, how the laborers who worked all day act as though it was a much better thing for those who worked a short time, as though it was more fulfilling for them to just do whatever they want and still get the same reward. Right. And I think people might think, well, you know, these these people who, who lived however they wanted their whole life, and then they confessed, uh, they have get they have faith in Christ Jesus in the last moments of their life. That's not fair. I had to do all those things. That that kind of misses the point because they would say that it's like an orphan saying, "Well, you know," and getting adopted when they're eighteen. It's like, ah, oh, you know, being an orphan is so much fun, right? Right. I'm so free from <laughs> from the love of parents. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's sort of the mentality. Right. It, it's kind of like they got to sin as much as they wanted to, and still, right. Which is why you know, I, it's always funny whenever you read the Gospels and Jesus calls somebody friend. Mm-hmm. It's never a good thing. <laughs> so, it's kind of like in uh, in British movies. Whenever they say "good day," they really hope you have a, a bad day, right? You know. Good day, Mr. Squigglebottoms. Good day, Mrs. Butterworth. <laughs> Why do all English people in your mind have terrible names? I don't know. I don't think those are bad names. <laughs> Mr. Squigglebottoms? That's a thing, right? Um, <laughs> Burke, I, you're at a loss for words. I don't know what to say. So, uh, to the listener, sometimes it takes a little while... <laughs> Oh, there is a Mr. Swigglebottoms. Uh, our com- our demonic computer is showing us. <laughs> it's a worm. From the mu- Muppet? Yeah, from the Muppets. He's got a top hat, though, so he's pretty rad. <laughs> That's just what I need, uh, Producer Peter, just more distractions tonight. It-, it already takes Berg just a while, just a little bit to get used to me again when we record. <laughs> we need to put a shroud over the screen, cover it up. Especially for Lent, you know. Maybe, Indeed. yeah. Maybe we Passion could. Tide. Maybe <laughs> That's right. we should build shelters for each one of us. Oh no. yes, <laughs> tabernacles, if you will. <laughs> All right, we should move on. So, I have a new segment. Awesome. The new tie. The new segment is 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 called this. What is it? Oh, they were, had Mary messed it up. That's. All right. The new segment is called What It Is, What It Ain't, and What It Could Be. Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for What It Is, What It Ain't, What It Could Be. So in this segment, uh, um, 
there's a lot of confusion, all sorts of topics, right? Okay. And uh, so this will give me a chance on various things to say, okay, pick a topic. This is what it is to clarify confusion. Maybe not so much a, a clear definition necessarily, but just thoughts about what something is. Okay. And within it, there'll be a clear definition. That makes sense. No, probably not. And then the second part, I'll have what it ain't, meaning, uh, so when you think of a various topic, this is not what it means. Okay. Okay. And then, and then what it could be, meaning this is how said topic, we can think about it to really help us grow and look ahead to the future. Okay. So what it is, what it ain't, and what it could be. All right. So the, the topic today is church membership. You ever think there's some confusion about church membership? Just a little bit. Okay. I think a lot of people have ideas about what it is, right? Yep. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. And, uh, and I think sometimes people have an idea what it, what it ain't. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about what it could be. So you're ready? Church membership. What it is. It is biblical, right? From Matthew 18 and all over it is, we see in the Bible that church membership is a visible rep- representation of what God has made us as his people in his body. So it is biblical. It's not just some arbitrary thing. Do you want to go into Matthew 18 a little bit? Sure. Maybe tell. Maybe for the listener who doesn't know. Right. Matthew 18 is, is a passage that talks about really the authority of the church, and, and uh, it talks about winning a brother over. And so if a brother sins against you, go and tell the brother— and if he doesn't listen to you, in order to win that brother over, you bring uh, another one or two uh, witnesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he still refuses to listen, you bring it before the church. And uh, if they still refuse, uh, in order to win the brother over, you then you deal with them as you would a sinner or a tax collector. And then that's where Jesus ends that conversation by saying, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Which to me is not is is not uh, oh you know patting us on the back I'm with you guys it's I am with you with his authority mm-hmm. so so that that shows there from Jesus' own words that uh, that uh, church membership actually really does mean something and it, it allows someone to hear Christ in a way um, from their church that they can hear and trust that God is speaking to them particularly from their pastor. What it is, church membership. What it is. It is a commitment to doctrine, to serve, to learn, to give, and to gather around Christ and his forgiveness. The reason why I say it's it's a commitment is people are afraid of that word. Mm-hmm. And uh and I think there's a people would like to well, I attend that church. Yep. You know, but I don't necessarily know if I want to make a commitment to that church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we see this sometimes as pastors when people move away. We want them to find a church where they can have a pastor serve them and be part of a, 
a, a community of believers where they live mm-hmm. because that's hard to do from 400 miles away. Right. And so, and so it is a commitment. You know, you see this in the, the confirmation vows. Where would that might, Berg, where might that say that in the confirmation vows? What kind of vows are made? That you would regularly attend services, you know, to hear God's word and to receive the Lord's Supper often, and uh, that you would uh, be willing to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from this faith. Yeah. And, and so there's an aspect, too, of in that, of a commitment to what the church teaches and a commitment to others in the church, right? Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people don't realize that that part of going to church on Sunday morning, it is for you, for your forgiveness, but it's also for the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Mm-hmm. They need you there. Church membership. What it is. It is an assurance that you have a pastor who has taken an oath to give you the word of God and to deal with you as Christ would. So, so think about what a blessing that is, really. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean pastors are perfect? No. Do we do we uh, do we actually take care of the flock as Christ would? Nope. No. And uh, and so, but yet. It's an assurance that the word of God is given to you and you hear it and you have a pastor, a shepherd who who cares for you and is watching out for you. And that's a blessed thing. If you if you move away, you know, that makes it hard to for the shepherd to to help you. Yep. Or know where you are. What it is. It is a public confession of faith. I kind of alluded to that earlier, but by being a member of a church, you're saying, this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And this is why sometimes when communion comes up, when they say, well, I go to this church, and and uh, but I would like to take communion there. Well, if you really think about it, your commitment by your confession of faith is with the other church. Yep. And so, And so to say that you belong to that church means... As a member of that church, that is your public confession. And you can argue and you can say, well, that's not what I believe. Well, then why are you making the commitment and that confession of faith publicly by being a member of that church? And what does that make you when you say something, but you don't really mean it? Right. You know, that's it's one of the things where, to me, the clear some of the clearest examples, and I do this all the time for some of these things, because I use this ordination and, and uh, talked about in terms of marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine someone saying, well, you know, I'm married to this one person. That's my confession, my public confession. I'm married to this person. But I really like this other one. <laughs> right. I'm actually in love with this other one. Right. right. I'm really on, I, yeah, I really like that other other one. But, you know, from a public standpoint, you know, where my name is signed, it's really with the other lady, mm-hmm. you know. Now, now. That to me that might sound ridiculous to the listener, but that really is kind of what you're doing, right? And if you say you believe something, then you should believe it and join a congregation that teaches it. Otherwise, you're what we what we in the Bible call a hypocrite, right? Because that's what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is saying something that they don't actually believe. And and there is a fine line because let me it's not a fine line, but this is not to say that you're going to agree with absolutely everything within your local congregation, right? 
I mean, for example, you might, you and I might have different understandings of a parable. Yeah, we actually need to agree, right? We all need to say the same things, like St. Paul says. We need to speak mm-hmm. the same things, be of one mind and of one judgment. Right. We actually do. I mean, like, and we should be striving to get toward that. I mean, it's one thing if you're ignorant, but it's another thing when you're not, you know? Because then the question is, is well, how far can you deviate before, you know, before fellowship is broken? Right. Right? I mean, this was the whole point of the synergistic controversy right. in the 17th century, right? Where they were like, well, if we just, you know, I'll just go to the Nicene Creed, right? Mm-hmm. Then we can all be in agreement. Well, I mean, you know, it, that sounds ridiculous, but at the same time, is it? Right. You know, so this is why, yeah, we should strive to be of one understanding and one mind and one confession, right? Yeah, and part of that is is membership. Right. Because that, that in a way, is a way of also protecting you, and what, if you, yeah, and if you don't know what your church teaches, you should find that out. You should find that out. And it's a way of protecting you in the sense of of if you have a clear confession that you're part of, it, it keeps you from wandering away into mm-hmm. your own thoughts or feelings and whims that might come upon you. So, What it is. It is a realization that as Christians, we are stronger together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a fluffy one, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, the church is a gift. And and, and the, as one of my topics has been is buying in, mm-hmm. you know? I think working together for the common good, whether it's in a confession or showing love to others and, and being not only unified in faith but in doctrine, but also unified in, uh, in, uh, in getting that word out to those who need it is also important. Yeah, I mean, if we actually believe we're under spiritual attack— and you're a buffalo. You want to be part of the part of the herd, herd, right? Right. I mean, anyone who's ever watched the Discovery Channel, once a <laughs> buffalo gets away from the herd, you know it's gonna die. And and don't they uh, the 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 weaker ones? Don't they surround them and protect them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a beautiful example. Church membership. What it is? Church membership binds us with the cords of love, and it looses us with forgiveness. Part of church membership is, though it's not perfect, and I'll get to that in what it ain't, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is a, you know, it's a way that uh, you can hear clearly about where you stand. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's an imperfect science, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, so that brings us to what it is. Ain't. All right. And uh, feel free to jump in any of these, Berg. Or you too, Vicar. You've been awfully quiet. What it ain't. Uh, it ain't a get-out-of-hell-free card. Mm-hmm. What do you think I mean by that, Berg? The absolute requirement for salvation is faith. Right. Right. It's not having a name on the rules of a congregation. Right. The worst is when someone will come up and say, "Oh yeah, I was baptized here." Oh yeah, where are you going now? Right. Oh, no, nowhere. But but I read the Bible. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, come on. And and that that brings us to another one of my ain'ts. Mm-hmm. What it ain't. Once confirmed, 
Always confirmed. <laughs> that yeah, that is one of the pernicious follies of our age. Yeah, where I will it's it's like this, okay? I was confirmed there uh, 80 uh, 57 years ago, right? And and oh, what are those confirmation vows? Those vows were that I will remain faithful to this word and confession until I die. So so you're saying, well, I was confirmed, meaning uh, it's not a sacrament. <laughs> right. It's not like I was baptized. Right. And so so I so you're, you're saying is I made this vow 56 years ago that I have not kept. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, I mean, this gets us to the other thing, right? That uh, um, we as pastors should actually be um, instructing and uh, and uh, examining and absolving our members, right? Mm-hmm. Now, how many of your members would actually allow you to do that? <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, think about it. Like, and you know, just say, okay, tell me the Ten Commandments. Right. What is the Lord's Supper? What do you believe about evolution, right? And just ask them very straightforward questions. This is why I'll be honest behind the collar. Mm-hmm. This is why um, I've I've kind of led my my catechism at the end where you confirmation, where rather than doing a public examination, I do it in a test that mm-hmm. I make public so people know what that they what they've learned and that they understand that they learned it. And the reason why is is I get tired of people saying to the kids, good job, I, I remember having to do that, that was horrible, or I would never be able to do that again. All those comments that would give the impression to these young... Yep, well, you jumped through the hoops, good job. Right, right. I gra- I remember having to graduate through those hard questions, and and I, I feel like I have to protect the kids from that. Right. I have to protect them, and, and I want them to, to consider that uh, the people are also know that stuff. Right. This this whole conversation is related to a previous podcast episode we did, Gag Me with a Confirmation sp- Spoon. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear more about that, um, go look at that too. But yeah, I mean, this this is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, all of our members ought to be ready and willing to give their confession. They, uh, they should be ready and willing to let us examine them. And I think that is one of the big problems in the church today is that um, most people don't know. I mean, right. I, I think we would be very, very saddened by how many people don't actually know the five chief parts. And not not meanings, just the bare text. Right. So. Hey, Vicar, what do we mean by the, f- the, f- the five chief parts? Uh, the five chief parts would be uh, a reference to Luther's small catechism. And uh, like Berg said, uh, Luther put meanings that have been translated into English and uh, published by our publishing house um, in the small catechism. But the, the chief texts were talking about uh, the Ten Commandments as they were given to Moses and the people of Israel on Sinai, the Lord's Prayer, uh, the, Apostles, um, the Apostles' Creed. Um, we're talking about confession, absolution, uh, the Office of the Keys in particular. Um, is there a reason why you said the five chief parts and not uh, the six well, chief parts? Well, uh, originally there were there were only five. Uh, the office of the key is and confession was yeah. added later during Luther's. But okay, so you yeah. go through it, right? You know, you've got the Ten Commandments, 
you got the Apostles' Creed, you got the Lord's Prayer. You should at least be able to do a couple of the Bible passages from on baptism, right? right? Matthew 28, uh, you should be able to do Mark 16, 16, God willing, um, and Romans. Well, yeah. t- Titus 3, uh, you know, and Romans, right? Mm-hmm. And you should be able to say the words of institution. For the Lord's Supper. For the Lord's Supper, because... Yeah you hear them every week, God willing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by the, ch- like, people should be able to recite the bare text. No meanings, just recite the bare text. Right. Right? And if you can't do that, you have no business coming to the Lord's table. You should, you know, then you should go back and, and learn them. Because, you know, as the Bible teaches us to examine ourselves before the Lord's Supper, receiving the Lord's Supper, that would maybe a, a sign that maybe you don't aren't able to to examine yourself. Examine yourself, right? and that means that you are eating and drinking to your own judgment. I uh, looked at a stat from 2014 for the for the Missouri Senate for their demographics, mm-hmm. and a high percentage, higher than uh, you know, for how do you determine? The question was, how do you determine what is right and wrong? And uh, I think it was like 40 some percent said common sense. <laughs> And 30-some percent said the Bible. I mean, that is a problem. That's right? a problem, yeah. That's a huge problem. Um, that shows that there is a, a complete disconnect from what we say we teach and what how we actually live. What it ain't. It ain't the, visible, the invisible church. Mm-hmm. You want to picker? Do you know what the invisible church is? Well... That would be uh, the gathering of all God's elect, um, both, uh, oh, I mean, I don't know if I want to say. Um, all the, all those with saving faith. Yeah, some total of all those who are in Christ by faith, both living and dead. Yes. Yeah. Right. Those who have gone before. And why are they invisible? Because we can't see faith. Right. We can't see in the heart of men, and we can't see through the ages. Right. And so so we make a distinction between the, the visible church and the invisible church. A true church is invisible, but if the Holy Spirit creates faith through the Word of God and through his sacraments, and he sustains faith through the Word of God and through the sacraments, where you are most likely to find that saving faith is gathered around the Word and the sacraments. You know, I don't know if you've ever been hit with this question. I haven't. Uh, but because I've just been dying to use this line, um, but you know they think their their winning objection is is well you can't see into my heart, right? And it's like it's like yeah of course I can't see into your heart. That's why I that's why I do what I do because of your confession and your actions, right? I can't see your faith. I all I can see is what you say and what you do, and if you belong to a church that confesses something different from us, then that. I mean, it doesn't get any more objective than that. Right. What it ain't. Lukewarm. <laughs> yep. And the reference? Well, well, Jesus said, uh, if, if, if either hot or cold, if it's lukewarm, what do you do with lukewarm water? Is that the reference here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From the book of? Revelation. Revelation, yeah. right? Yeah. This is the church of? That's right. Laodicea. Yeah, Laodicea, right? And uh, here God is speak. Here Christ is speaking to right the seven churches, right, right, right. right. And he uh, 
he is really angry at this one church because they're saying, oh, yeah, we're rich. We got all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he is he has nothing good to say about them, mm-hmm. right? Which is, like, terrifying. And, yeah, he says, basically, you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spew you out of my mouth, which means you're not going to be saved. Right. Right? I mean, it's... It's terrifying. Right. And and I think sometimes we could have a lukewarm attitude about our church membership. Well, you know, that's mm-hmm. where whatever, you know. And, yeah, I guess whatever, without taking it seriously about hearing God's word, being a part, being a servant, mm-hmm. realizing that that church needs you, and to be not lukewarm about how you seek to serve that church and be a part of that church and hear the word. Or you hear this stuff, well, I, I pray all the time, blah, blah, blah. Prayer is not a means of grace. We don't get forgiveness from prayer. We get it from the word of God and from the sacraments, mm-hmm. right? And so that's another thing, right? I don't know about you, but I actually did the stats once on uh, on an average Sunday for membership. And um, when we have 80 people in church, which is kind of the, the average, um, we got about 33% in our uh, of our membership coming to church on that Sunday. Yet in the shut-ins and it jumps up to about 40%. And that that's pretty the standard right. That, and then you, and then you see all this nonsense on the on the parking lot, right? That oh, now you're entering the mission field. Pfft. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, our new, our mission fields are our own members a lot of the time. Mhm. What it ain't. Unnecessary. Right, I think that's kind of redundant yeah. up to this point. Yeah, a little, a little double negatives, you okay. know. It was actually, uh, uh, I think Chaucer actually has a triple negative. <laughs> so you know, you're in good company. <laughs> what it ain't a way of simply collecting more money. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Is uh, there there are people who sometimes might uh, think erroneously that well, I, I give money. So I'm a member, and so I'm in good standing because I write a check. It's like your golf membership. Right. Right, like a country club. Well, I paid my dues. Everything is square. And mm. that, what does that have to do with faith? That means, in a sense, you know, you're, you're saying, in a sense, I'm saved by giving money. Yep, because this yeah. I, makes me a part of this church, and this church is a final word. And so because of that, I am... That's that's us not. Every pre- time a coin in the coffer clings. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What it ain't. An exercise in consumerism. Meaning, I'm referring to church shopping, and consumer is you know a way of of looking at a church by saying, well, what kind of stuff does it offer me? Right. And. Uh, and really, I mean, you should have that question. Is it offering me the word of God? Right. But all sorts of, does it have a coffee shop? You know? Or even, uh, you know, people can pass up good confessional churches for kind of the same reason and say, oh, well, this congregation that might not be as confessional has uh, a bigger Sunday school. Hmm. Or they've got a more active youth group. Or they've got this or they've got that. I mean, 
which is also kind of in the same mentality. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or, or the worst is uh, a pastor, right? You go because of the pastor. Yeah. Ugh. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, because uh, you want to be prepared for that pastor's not going to be there forever. Right. Or you might see his warts. Right. And, you know. And, and that, that, that's the other thing, too, is this. Yeah, don't, don't leave a church. Because of the pastor. You know, in the sense of, I mean, you can if he's not. Yeah, if he's a false prophet, you definitely right. should. But, but, but if he is teaching you God's word, and maybe he just, some things you don't care about or doesn't connect or he messes up once in a while, that's that's not a reason. Yeah, I mean, so. Because it's membership of the body of the Christ. It's not membership to the pastor. Mm-hmm. What it ain't. It ain't bound to everyone's individual opinions. <laughs> mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, uh, is uh, everyone has their own ideas about all sorts of things, and and sometimes those can be divisive. Yeah, and and so it's the worst is I mean, and it's usually stupid things, mm-hmm. things that have nothing to do with the gospel that hamstring the gospel. Right. I mean, committees arguing about color carpet you know mm-hmm. stuff like that yeah so so that brings us to the third section what it could be and and my idea behind this is what it could be is uh is uh is kind of for the the listener for their own frame of mind of how to view what their own membership in their congregation could be and ways to think about it to kind of to uh, help you grow within your own church. What it could be. A huge support for you in a community that loves you with the love's, love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's that's really important. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift to you from God. Right. And, uh, and you might say, well, I don't know about this or that. Well, as I, I said earlier, not with that attitude. That attitude. What it could be. A strong, univoid, unified voice for the community. Mm-hmm. We speak as what? I mean, if you think about, people like to talk about evangelism, right? Right. And people sometimes spend so much time arguing about evangelism that they don't do any evangelism. Yeah. There's nothing more, be- better than speaking with a unified voice together as a body of Christ for mm-hmm. evangelism. What it could be. A sanctuary for the hurting and the struggling and attempted. And uh, that could be you. And sanctuary not being the building, but people that you have who, in the faith, who struggle with you and care about you and sometimes can be help you to be accountable, mm-hmm. you know, and in a way of, of uh, when standing you stumble, with you. When you stumble. And when you stumble, they can pull you back up again. Right. That, that's what I think people sometimes misunderstand. That when you stumble, that they're there to kind of look down their nose at you. Mm-hmm. They're there to support you, to strengthen you. Well, and that's what Ecclesiastes is really about. It's unfortunately often used as a marriage text, but it's actually about Christian friendship, right? That a, that a cord of many strands is not easily broken, mm-hmm. right? And that's actually about what we are together or 
um, the great uh, um, chapter on love in First Corinthians, right? Mm-hmm. That's the love that Christians should have for one another. Hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. Um, and by the by the way, if we have any listeners who are experts in Ecclesiastes, please let us know what you think. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Um, should, should we elaborate on that or just? No, I don't think so. <laughs> we might get an angry phone call. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, you're right. <laughs> what it could be. A confession that you hold together for future generations. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, an important part of, of membership is, is your, your keeping and holding on to the word of God for the future. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people, unless Christ returns, people are depending upon you being active and part of this church for future generations. They're depending on you in right. that. And so if you're looking at membership from a selfish point of view, that's not that's missing the boat. What it could be. A bond deeper than national pride or race or political views. A bond by Jesus' blood with people who are willing to die for you as Christ died for you. I want you to think about that, listener. What, the, what I'm saying there is, is really, people don't necessarily think, think about this, but being a part of a church, that is a, an extremely strong bond than anything else, really, mm-hmm. I believe. So, Vicar, you want to have anything to add to this? What are you thinking about right now? I was thinking about uh, martyrdom and uh, martyrdom being when Christians are persecuted even unto death um, and how in America it has come for some. We think of like Columbine High School. We think of uh, churches, uh, particularly, I think there was a church in Texas recently in the last couple of years. Um, but when it boils down to it, our confession, it's a confession in the face of death. And yeah. so, you know, actually it's, it's weird. Uh, you know, uh, we've just had, uh, the, the, the nation in mourning <laughs> over what Kobe Bryant. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I had honest, I had just, I had forgotten about that. Right. But well, you're not quite the NBA fan that I am. It Yeah. No, I I know who I knew who he was, and it it is it's a sad deal. I mean, he died with his daughter, and there's like seven other people, right? Right, and and just the fact that you know you hear from the Laker Nation that oh that's a family, and and just the way people are seem to be coming together, and it's almost like you know church should be that, but by times three hundred and fifty thousand, right? Well, and it's what we say is true, like what they're when they start to say that his spirit lives on, it just ends up being meaningless. Or, you know, they, they say things like, we're going to play the season to make Kobe proud of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. But the church actually makes a, a beautiful confession. Every time, every time we say the creed, mm-hmm. it's in a lot of our sermons. And one thing, I'm going to encourage my confirmants, if they have an opportunity to go to a funeral, if there's a funeral during the summer... Parents, take your kids to the funeral at your church. Honestly, I would encourage everybody to try and have funerals on, at nights or on weekends. Mm-hmm. For that, yeah. For that very reason. Yeah. So that way, because you know, we uh, 
we've love we love and support one another and you've mentioned the younger generation but you know it's also important the other way too that we right. support and encourage those who are those saints who are dying or near death um and then we can go rejoice in their confession when they do die mm-hmm. right because they've made it right and that can be a really um encouraging thing for us mm-hmm. you know so yeah. all right that brings us to oh what oh. campfire catechetics all right peter uh, play the intro gather around everyone time for campfire catechesis all right last time we talked a little bit about the uh the settings of uh, where catechesis takes place. Um, last time we talked about that catechesis takes place in the church, in the liturgy, that the liturgy actually teaches uh, the Word of God um, in these many and various ways, and you can go back and listen to that episode, uh, you know, which would have been um, Divine Service Setting 2, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so another setting where catechesis takes place, and I think this is the foundational and main setting of where catechesis, that is, uh, the oral teaching of the Christian faith should take place is in the home. The home is the seedbed of the church. Uh, fathers should teach their children. Mothers should teach their children. This is how many books of the Bible uh, begin. I mean, I look at Proverbs. Proverbs is always about the dad, you know, a, a lot of the first chapters talk about, you know, is, is the dad speaking to his kid and saying, son, learn wisdom, learn wisdom. Um, we see the same thing with David's last words to Solomon. Where he tells him to be a man and mm-hmm. explains what that means. Uh, we see it in St. Paul's words um, that uh, ch- that parents ought to bring up their children in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. Um, the small catechism, right, as the house father, right, or the head of the family should teach his children. Um, and this should be something that happens all the time. I mean, uh, Luther actually suggested that the house father, the dad, uh, actually quiz his family on the catechism Every week, and not just his family, but also his servants. I would say that it should probably even be more often than that. Um, so, if fathers are supposed to teach their kids, like, what does that look like? What's what's one way that we can actually do that? Well, one way that, that Luther actually talks about is uh, he actually makes a game out of it. So, um, I'm reading here from his... Uh, from his, uh, his treatise on the German Mass and the Order of Service. This is found in Luther's Works, the American Edition, Volume 53. And so, we'll, uh, I'll read a few paragraphs and then we can talk about it. Uh, when a child begins to understand that it should be encouraged to bring home verses of Scripture from the sermon and to repeat them at mealtimes for the parents, even as they formerly used to recite their Latin, And then these verses should be put into the pouches and pockets, just as pennies, groschen, and gulden are put into a purse. For instance, let faith's pouch be for the golden, let it be gold. And into the first pocket, let this verse go, Romans 5, 12. Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And also this one, Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. These are two Rhinish golden for the first pocket. Into the other pocket go the Hungarian golden. For example, this text, Romans 5, or 425, Jesus was put to death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 
Again, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These would be two good Hungarian golden for the second pocket. Let love's pouch be the pouch for silver. Into the first pocket shall, shall go the text concerning well-doing, such as Galatians 5.13. Through love be servants of one another, Matthew 25.40. As you did it to the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. These would be two silver groschen for the first pocket. Into the other pocket shall go this verse, Matthew 5.11. Blessed are you when men persecute you on my account. Or Hebrews 12.6. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. These are to Schreckenberger for the second pocket. And let no one think himself too wise for such child's play. Christ, to train men, had to become man himself. If we wish to train children, we must become children with them. Would to God such child's play were widely practiced. In a short time we would have a wealth of Christian people whose souls would be so enriched in Scripture and in the knowledge of God that of their own accord they would add more pockets. And so on and so forth. So, what Luther here is actually talking about is you go to church and you hear the scriptures read, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you go home and the dad says, okay, he gives each kid a verse and he says, okay, there's one pouch for faith and that's the golden pouch, okay? Mm-hmm. There's a second pouch for love. In the first pouch, in the golden pouch, there's one pocket which talks about sin, or the law, our condemnation. Mm -hmm. And there's a second pocket which talks about the gospel, Jesus dying for our sins. Mm -hmm. In the silver pouch, which is the pouch of love, you have the first pocket which has to do with our actions towards others, right? Mm -hmm. The law of love. In the second pocket, you have um, our um, what obedience looks like through suffering. The cross, the Christian's cross, mm-hmm. and so what? You, so what Luther here is suggesting is that a dad goes up and he says he gives each kid a verse, and he says, "Okay, read your verse. Now, what pocket does it belong in? Does it belong in the faith pocket, or does it belong in the love pocket, or a pouch, mm-hmm. right? And then from there, you can break it down to, okay, this is talking about how I'm a sinner. Goes in the first pocket or the first pouch, or this is the gospel. This is how Jesus loves me. This goes into." the second pocket of the first pouch. Mm-hmm. Or here, the law is telling me how to live. That goes in the first pocket of the second pouch. Right. Right? Or this is talking about how someone suffers for the faith. So so part of it is is critical thinking, you know. Right. And understanding the scripture, you know. Right. And having categories in which to place it. Right. right. Rather than this being, oh, this is what I think it is. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you can actually explain it and say, okay, this is, you know, if the kid gets it wrong, then you can be like, okay, and explain it to them. Mm-hmm. Is this, you know, through very simple questions like, um, is this telling us what you are? Is this telling us what God did for you? Is this telling us how you are to live? Or is this telling us what you're suffering? Right. You That's, know? I really like that. And I think this would be a interesting way to live and to continue to teach the one-year lectionary at home mm-hmm. because you can take uh, verses from the uh, the intro epi- it? yep from the intro it from the gospel from uh, you know for the kids I would usually start with the gospel and start really simple mm-hmm. first starting up and then you can start to build right yeah I think 
uh, this would also be good in Australia, the Lutheran Church there, because of their the kangaroos. <laughs> right. Their yes, their pouches. <laughs> um, you could even buy a stuffed kangaroo and be like, okay, which kangaroo does this? Uh, and it really does. You know, I think it's good to talk about the sermon. I, I, I really wonder how often people, either mm-hmm. in the drive home or, you know, one thing I have in our sermon study is, is uh, what's something in the sermon that your parents thought was important? Right. Right. And 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 more often than not, that, that line is filled out in different handwriting. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> it is not exactly what I... <laughs> yeah, that's not exactly the intention. The intention is, is to, to try and get some dialogue to talk mm-hmm. about about the sermon so that and, so, and the thing is parents if you can't do that if you can't put them in these different pouches well then maybe you know it shows that there needs to be some growth on your part too right, right. try to find a bible study to attend or talk to your pastor talk to your pastor about yeah. it um yeah. you know yeah because this is a very practical way and it's a very hands-on way for the kids yeah too you know, everybody's always looking for um, really, really silly things to do. But this would actually teach them something that doesn't have to be untaught. This is something that they should just do automatically in their minds. You know, you know what kind of, this kind of makes me think of, too, is uh, it, it's a way of, uh, you know, talking about it and kind of keeping it on the, the forefront of your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we all have uh, smartphones that gives us notifications. We got to know this. We got to know that, you know. So and so message us. Oh, there's an article on this that we should read, and we're so seem so want to be so plugged into those things, right? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And but uh, so, so, well, what about what's going on on Sunday? And I also like the fact that basically it it uh, centers around Sunday morning and it brings it back to the home. And right. There's a rhythm, a weekly rhythm that is a part of that. Mm-hmm. Because then if you miss, like uh, our pockets are empty. Right. You know, and it, you know, because kids love, I mean, if you guys have ever seen, anybody out there has ever been to a Sunday school opening, the kids like putting their quarters in, you right. know. And then, you know, you could use the quarters also, like, you know, if they get it right and they put it in the right slot, right, mm-hmm. you can put it in another thing and then use it as a way for charitable giving for them. Right. You know what I mean? And just, you can just continue to keep teaching. Which is awesome, you know. And listeners, if you have some thoughts, if you have some some ways that this could be done, uh, let us know. We love our listeners. We love hearing from them, right? We, we sure just do. talk about checking our cell phones. Like when we get something, we get excited. Oh, we do. What's that? So, uh, so uh, please, yeah, you know where to find us at this point, don't you? So, all right. That brings us to our attentionally challenged Bible study. Peter, play the intro. Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. Well, I uh, I found a new and improved uh, wheel to spin. Uh, hopefully it has a little less... Proverbs and Psalms, <laughs> uh, but now I'm 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 kind of just on my own spinning the wheel here, and it keeps giving me more than one verse. It's pretty disappointing. Oh, 
It's not, it's not what this is about, man. Well, let's spin the wheel. The computer is betraying us. All right, we got 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Vicar, you want to read it? You got it. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. This is a very, very comforting verse. Why do you say that, Berg? First, it, uh, it talks about how the foundation of God stands, right? That uh, the church cannot be overcome by evil by evil and wicked teaching, which, um, and I know we don't cover any verses that come before it. So you can, you, know, you can use it as a way of explaining this verse. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't mention it. So there are, uh, you know, there what are kind of podcasts with me. Don't read the Bible. Berg. Don't read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are two evil teachers here, uh, Hemenaeus and Philetius, and they were teaching the false, uh, doctrine that the resurrection had already happened and by doing this they actually destroyed people's faith and brought them out of the church um, this is really a really sad deal but here once again saint paul reminds his listeners that the lord knows those who are his right that no one can snatch them out of the hand of the father that um, we are not just simply spinning tops right god doesn't just like spin us and yeah. just say well i hope you make it for you know however many years of life you know hopefully your faith holds out right we talked about that with when it comes to the invisible church right and vicar used a term elect right that god not only begins our faith but he also sustains it and brings it to completion um and that is a very very comforting thing for us uh, especially in the midst of so much cancerous preaching, mm -hmm. preaching that destroys souls and uh, overthrows the faith of some. Um, earlier, uh, Paul talked about how their message will spread like cancer, right? These false teachers, um, you know, and uh, it's it's true. We just as it was in the New Testament, so it is today. There's a lot of false. In fact, I uh, I was talking to one guy. And uh, he went to a, a pastor's conference. This was a different denomination. And um, one, of the, one of the pastors there um, said that he doesn't believe in heaven or in hell, and Jesus just teaches them how to live right. Mm. You know? And, you know, the, there are people who are hearing his preaching and, and receiving it. Mm. Um, it's, you know... And so that's the thing, listener. I mean, there is a lot of evil out there, a lot of wickedness. But that's why this verse is so incredibly important, right? The Lord knows those who are his. And, uh, but also the next verse or the next part, right? Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, right? Now, you, just, just uh, judging from the way you describe this, depart from iniquity is really depart from false teaching, would right. you say? Not just sin in general, specifically. Right. False teaching false teaching and false living go together, right? Right. So if you believe that the resurrection is already passed, that's going to influence how you look at your body, 
how you treat your body, and what you do with it here on Earth. Right. We talked about that when we had the temptation episode. Right. Where uh, to realize that temptation is a theological debate. Right. And that's the thing is that all of this iniquity, it flows from some distortion of faith, some distortion of doctrine. It's something you don't have right. It's kind of like um, the early Apollo missions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, they blew up, you know. Well, and didn't Challenger just happen not too long ago? You know, when the Challenger, you know, didn't we have an anniversary of that? The Challenger. Uh, yeah. Um, with. Uh, it was like with, 20 with that, years, right? With Christy McAuliffe. That was, I was in seventh grade when the Challenger blew up. So. Right. And what exactly was wrong with that? Weren't there was a the, tile, a heating tile, I right, think. Right, there was a heating tile that was off just a little bit, right? hmm And that's why it exploded. Well, listeners, that's what happens when you have false doctrine. It may seem like a little thing, but it kills. It can destroy. And, you know, that's why we don't want anybody to be in false doctrine. Right. right? That's why we don't want anybody believing something that is false. We don't want anybody to be ignorant. So. Okay. Well, uh, I think that brings us to conclusion of our show. And uh, boy, that was quite a Super Bowl, wasn't it? Indeed. And uh, the caucus, who saw that coming? <laughs> yep. Oh, boy. Yeah. So nice now to have all those ads done with, isn't it? <laughs> yep. No more calls. <laughs> or text messages. Ugh, I haven't gotten those. Thanks be to God. They respond if you respond. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Christ returns before this podcast comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, thank you for listening. I am Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And I'm Vicker. And uh, may, may, your, may your caucuses have half times. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.